Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I do understand the concept of trying to get him back out there. I didn't love throwing him out there at a three-run lead in Yankee Stadium, <laughs> but he got the job done. And I guess and this is a violent activity. I sh- I should not do this over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I think, I think more people should embrace the Yusei Kikuchi winning at life sleep schedule. And welcome to episode number 282 of Artificial Turf Wars. Uh, There are only two results, sweep and get swept. I want you to know that. That's how baseball works. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the audio-degraded Joshua House. How's it going, Josh? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, we, I'm okay. <laughs> we usually <laughs> don't explain our technical difficulties, because we have plenty of them. Uh, we just sort of paper over them, but this one's too good. This is, yeah, so, this is too good. So, I, I broke the power cable to my computer because I'm clumsy, and I that, my computer fell off table yeah, yeah it is um computer is fine power cable broke um i use it till it died but i ordered a new one on amazon one day delivery that's good and they said <laughs> yes but they sent me a wrist brace <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not sure what they're trying to tell me there but that's not I what think, i needed <laughs> i think they could sense your um your carpal tunnel injury incoming from using the laptop so much you broke the power cord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to, mm, <laughs> not sure what to make of that. Well, I mean, it's important to not have a repetitive strain injury. That's all I'm saying. You ask Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, we have Blue Jay stuff to talk about. We have Kevin Biggio's renaissance. Uh, we have Bo Bichette's uh, still being arguably the best hitter on this team. Uh, the pitching, after a little hiccup against, unfortunately, Texas, which we're going to talk about, uh, then uh, things have, you know, righted to themselves back to what we come to expect this season. Um, and now Vlad was scratched uh, after being pulled early from a game the night before we record this. We are recording this on the 20th. Um, uh, Eden is up. Uh, Belt is still out. Uh, we have a couple of questions from our fine listeners. And we're going to give a gold star to Yusei Kikuchi who understands the value of a good night's sleep. Uh, <laughs> we, but also a good morning sleep, come to think of it. Uh, you want to start 
I think we should start with the unfortunate news that when called upon to face off against rival Texas, the Blue Jays failed spectacularly in every hey, way possible. But at least we recorded after the first three games last time. So there's only one game left from that series that we would have to talk about in this episode. Yeah, and you said Gaussman is going to come through. And I, I made... No, I said he better come through. He better come through. I made noises. I, they weren't, like, encouraging noises. And I was unfortunately correct. What was it, 3.2 innings? 3.1? I, uh, not enough, and there were too many runs. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was a lot of getting buried alive by Texas. So... Baseball is a funny sport because there are so many games and it's the always, you know, well, today was bad. Just go play tomorrow. It'll... So the Blue Jays play Boston. And while they are playing Boston, uh, Texas goes to play the sad sack Cleveland Indians, who, again, the Blue Jays have had trouble scoring runs against. And somehow the Blue Jays sweep the Red Sox and in the process, vault themselves back into a playoff space because Texas is unable to do anything against Cleveland. Yeah, makes sense. Makes total sense. I mean, that's exactly how we drew it up when we talked about the games the Blue Jays had to win to demonstrate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it is still disappointing, though, from, from my continuous complaints <laughs> that the Blue Jays, when asked to go toe-to-toe with one of the teams that they are likely to meet in the playoffs, failed again. Yeah, I mean, look, we, 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 we went really deep in this on the last episode, so I don't really want to dwell on this because, you know, it's been much better since. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. You know, it, it was... The you know, thing with Texas is, like, they can hit, right? And they can really, really hit. And, you know, when the Jays pitching isn't on against that offense, that's what's going to happen. Like today they beat Boston. I think it was like 15 to four or something like that. You know, like just after getting shut down by Cleveland. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, but you know, the nice thing is that they rebounded and the, you know, the pitching didn't continue to be a problem going into the Boston series. Yeah. I mean, it shows that it, it's possible to shut down that Texas offense and the Blue Jays just did not have the ingredients for it over those four games, which is, you know, super uh, unfortunate. Also weird that the Blue Jays, did they not lose the first seven games against Boston this year? Yeah. And then promptly won the following six or seven? Six. Six. Yep, six. <laughs> yeah, it went sweep, 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 sweep. Yeah, baseball's a funny sport, I may have mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have on, it was your note, uh, BGO MVP season. Um, from what perspective, obviously, it's it's not his batting average, it's, it's not his power. What perspective are you calling him an MVP? Honestly, I'm just referring to what he's been doing in September, in which in case it is both those things. It's because yeah. he's hitting three, during today's game, I don't have today's stats on it. He's hitting 318 with a 426 on base and a 455 slugging in September. And I think... Of all the guys who stepped up at the right time, I agree that Kevin Biggio, that's why, you know, most valuable player is when there's no Matt Chapman and you step in at third and out hit Matt Chapman and manage to, you know, play some heads up defense. Uh, or you play second base when, you know, everything else has been shuffled around. Or you sub in at first when you have to because Vlad, you know, has, a, has his knee go out on him. Like, because he is 
a utility guy um, who's willing to to at least you know get out there at every position. It feels like like him hitting is is a bo- that well is a bonus. Yeah, I, I mean that's definitely true. I mean you 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 want him to contribute. You don't expect him to contribute to that level for sure. But uh, obviously, like so, they made a, a change in his swing where they've le- tried to level it out a bit because the thing that made him this slightly more powerful, like he hit more home runs than his power would suggest, is just because he hit everything into the air, just like extreme loft in the swing. The problem is that that left him susceptible to strikeouts, especially on high fastballs, and to pop-ups. So they've tried to make it so he's more useful on contact if it doesn't go out of the park, which with, you know, dead balls, and it's just not likely to happen very much. And it seems to be working. He's been really good in the second half, especially when used against right-handed pitching. But the real reason it's MVP season is not because he's just hitting like that. It's because, I think it was Jonah Bierenbaum put this tweet out, it's like Kevin Vigio is finally the super utility player instead of the player who they just put at multiple positions. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's been excellent defensively at third, in right, at first. He's always been fine at second. So, uh, you know, he's still been good there, but there's nothing really changed there. But he's made some all-world plays at all three, all three of those other spots. You know, in really key situations, he turned that incredible double play against, uh, was it Texas at third, yeah. where he tagged, the run, tagged Semien at third. And then and, threw across the diamond. Yeah. A strike yeah. to first. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, he did a double play up the middle where he fielded up the middle and gloved it to Bichette, who threw to first, and he made a diving play on a, a smashed liner at first base in the in this Yankees game that's happening, the second game of the series as we're recording. And he he's just he's just stepping up. I mean, to credit to him, right? Because he obviously put in the work to improve his his ability defensively. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it, that does not come naturally or easily, right? Um, that is a, a a lot of grinding to get good and and exceed yourself at multiple positions, right? Because I remember, uh, you know, just as big throwback example, when asked to move back to third base because of an injury and and some problems, you know, with the with the roster construction, Jose Bautista was like, "I need a week of taking grounders." To, to feel yeah. comfortable back there. And Kevin Biggio, every night, it's like, okay, Cav, go out. It's left field. And, oh, wait, no, you're finishing at first base because <laughs> we know well, that's I mean, where we need you. And he even had to appear at shortstop against Washington. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? We talked about the nonsense that created that scenario. But <laughs> <laughs> but he did it. Um, and, you know, it, it's just honestly, like it makes him a much more valuable piece if he's able to be a successful defender at these spots as opposed to a you hope the balls hit right at him at these spots because you know remember was it 2020 when he played third oh yeah like noodle arm and questionable range or, or 2021 that's what it was because they had was semi it, yeah. in second um and yeah he just the arm strength and the quick twitch movements weren't there for the hot corner but it's his arm seems to be better and it, his movements are much faster um, I don't know how he's doing it, but again, like you said, good on him for being able to step up into that role. When the Blue Jays are finally in a in a spot where injuries are a problem in filling out the lineup, I do find it funny that he's batting cleanup because, uh, like, well, I did not today, but yeah, but I did not have Kevin Biggio cleanup hitter on my bingo card at the beginning of the season. 
<laughs> I don't think anybody, I think if you had Kevin Biggio cleanup hitter, it would be because something went very, very wrong. And honestly, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> it's not so much that Biggio deserves to hit fourth. It's some, It's more so that <clears throat> there's Chapman no Brandon Belt to hit fourth and Matt Chapman isn't good enough and Varsho hasn't yeah <laughs> right exactly it's like and Kirk right Kirk would hit fourth a ton a ton last year you know it's like these guys don't deserve to hit at the top of the lineup um I don't have it on the talking points but of all the the guys who have had a good week uh the second best week belongs to Alejandro Kirk on this team so I don't want to I don't want to undersell that he actually did have more than a reasonable time of it in the sweep. I am. How many times can I hit back on my browser and not get to where I want to go? Many. Yeah, many. That's a lot. That's like more than a couple. Alejandro Kirk hit uh, two hundred three sixty eight four sixty seven over the last week. The yeah, only well, he had a home run. He had a big home run against the Yankees in the first game of the series too. Oh. The uh, the other incredible thing about Kirk, and we we know this about his ability to make contact, but he's been having problems all year uh, with with strikeouts. And in that very small sample size of a week, he had a twenty one percent walk rate and a five point three percent K percentage. So you know, I don't, I, I don't know that I'd say he's been struggling with strikeouts so much as so much as he wasn't walking, which is that was the big difference, right? I mean, he's only struck out. 42 times on the season. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just, uh, I'm misinterpreting his loss of on-base percentage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He stopped walking. It, for, it was crazy. I think it was in tr- the entire months of June and July, he walked five times, which this is for a guy who previously had a walk rate in the teens. Yeah. So if that is back, again, Alejandro Kirk might move up in the lineup fairly quickly. And... yeah. Speaking of people moving up in the line, well, you don't have to move Biggio up. You just bat him second the whole time because he's still the best player on the Blue Jays. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Bichette is... He, oh, he's back. <laughs> he's That's back, what I put baby. in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> I put Bo is back. Um, yeah, I mean, he struggled a bit when he first came back from his second injury. I mean, he missed a lot of time in August and September, right? Um, he, he was on track to get, you know middle tier MVP votes before he hurt his, his, uh, was it his thigh, his quad the first time? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was tracking for getting third, fourth, fifth place MVP votes. That's not going to happen now because he missed so much time, but that's how important he'd been. And then he came back from the second injury and he kind of struggled for first seven or so games, but against Boston, it looked like he was starting to get his timing back because he was hitting some hard balls to the, you know, to that right center gap, which is where his power usually is. And then in the last game of the series, he got a couple hits and then he, then he broke out a bit against New York in the first game with a, with a hard hit and then a home run to right. And then in the first, in this, in this game that recording during a smash ground ball up the middle that turned into an infield single for a run, but it was hit 103 miles an hour. And they really need him to be going to, in order to, you know, this is a, obviously the most important stretch of the season. <laughs> That's kind of nonsense to say it out loud, but just saying it anyway and with especially with vlad sort of on the shelf but they're definitely not 100 percent. they need Bo to be Bo. so very good science yeah absolutely um it, it is interesting that he led the american league in hits 
um, when he when he got sidelined the first time and and maintained that lead for most of his first stint on the on the in, injured list, and now he's not going to get two hundred hits this year. Like that's yeah. a, that's a huge chunk of missing time. Yeah, I mean it's really too bad, and then for 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 Bo's wallet, it's too bad because if he finished top five in the MVP voting, his salary next year and the year after would go up. So. I feel bad for him for that, that, you know, it was only injury that derailed it, not his performance, but no, that's just how it goes sometimes, unfortunately. Why do I think his, what was that because he negotiated in his contract? Cause did Bo not sign a contract? Yeah. That's the, just, yeah. But so the, we, the, it was, well, we talked about this when we first signed it, but I'll rehash it here quickly since I brought right. it up. <clears throat> Sorry. It was a, it was a really fair deal in that, you know, he signed this three year deal that bought it all his arbitration years. But if he got MVP votes of certain levels, the salaries would go up, ah. which would be fair for him because if he hit that well during arbitration, they would go up, but by even more than they're going to. So it gives him some protection if he if he just goes off, but you know, not at the full level than if he'd gone year to year, in, in, which is the trade off for the security of being locked in for three years. Which in case he you know missed an entire season, he'd still be getting paid full big time money. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we talked about hitting. Let's let's talk about pitching. Uh, again, we 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 already talked about the Texas series. We talked about Gaussman. Um, so Bassett, Barrios, and Kikuchi um, are, you know, everybody has to be firing on all cylinders in this rotation for everything to work. And uh, having a good start, especially from oh, uh, my, my highlights are Barrios with what seven shutout innings. Uh, and the Kikuchi, who only got pulled because he had a a trap muscle in his neck cramp up, which is yeah. You think um, you've heard I, everything? I, it, it was funny. So when John Schneider was given the injury report, he's like, "Well, that's a new one for me. I've had to say that before." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a good thing. I'm glad you highlighted that Barrios one because you know they got shelled by Texas. And they had to use so many relievers in so many of those games. And going into that Boston series, in that first game, there's no off day. They needed Barrios to give them length. And he gave them seven shutout innings, only through 90 pitches. But because it was 3 nothing, they went to set up and closer, right? Um, the two guys who hadn't pitched much in those, <laughs> those Texas games, so they kept getting <laughs> yeah. blown out. Because um, they didn't need. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was huge. It, it let them give just some extra rest to some guys who just really, really, really needed it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like, you know, I took a look at the bullpen stats, the, the recent ones. Uh, I think obviously the biggest question um, is what to do with Trevor Richard. He got another chance. Uh, was it the first game of the Yankee series? Yep. And, and everything worked out again. <laughs> but there's been a lot of things not working out for Trevor Richards since his return from the injured list. Yeah, it, it's it's tough because you know he he was so so valuable in, in the first, before he got injured, and then he comes back and he was just awful, right? So it's like, okay, well, why his changeup was the problem, right? He wasn't able to get swings and misses on it. He wasn't locating it well. So I do understand the concept of trying to get him back out there. I didn't love throwing him out there in a three-run lead at Yankee Stadium. 
but he got the job done. And I guess if he can do that, they can give him more leads to like bigger leads where they can get him out before it goes horrible to try and find it. He was so useful and they have the depth to cover it. If he does have to come out early. Yeah. I think the problem, I I think the reason a three run lead of Yankee stadium is going to have to do is because time is ticking down on the season. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's not a lot of four and five run leads that this team builds up at a time when Trevor Richards can get into the ball game. (laughs) Well, they could have done it in game one of this. If they just, if they hadn't put Richards in, then Pearson got into the game. Yeah, tough to see the future on that one, though. Like, that was a... Was no, a cur- I, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that's that's John Schneider's maybe thinking, is I, I want to get him out there, and I don't want him in a tie game, and I don't want him coming in with runners on if, if he doesn't have it. So, okay, three-run lead and a clean inning, and I've got, I've got at least a little bit of wiggle room. He faces three batters. Absolute worst case is it's tied. Um, again, depending on how badly he wants to know whether Richards has it or not. Is the changeup a feel pitch for Richards? Is that what... You know, is that what's going I mean, change on? Changeup change is always a field pitch. Yeah. Always. So, yeah, I mean, it could be just that he was out and then he needed to refine it. I don't know. Because he, when he came back, I think it was his second outing, he was dominant. And then he was awful for the next four. So, I don't know that this means he's back. I, I'm definitely not ready to say that. But I'm happy that he had a good one and hopefully it's something he can build off and work off because he, they're, obviously Schneider's going to go to him. Despite the fact that Jays have an incredibly deep bullpen. Yeah. Uh, it it does continue to be a bullpen where on, on any given night, you kind of trust the guy who's coming in to get the job done. And, and, and again, none of them are superhuman, but other than Richards and his, his like like you said, four in a row, where it was like, oh gosh, what, what on earth is going on with this guy who is so consistent? Um, everybody else has had moments of, Excellence with only the occasional uh, occasional falter. Yeah, um, Garcia has had like a little wobble, but he's been so good for the last two months, and he was great getting out of the jam against the Yankees in the first game of the series. So, and uh, he he's also had that huge performance against Boston where he just blew guys away throwing ninety nine miles an hour. It's always funny when Garcia comes out and does that. It's like why why isn't that there more? But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? What, yeah, what's special I mean, about today, Jimmy? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so I was watching the the Orioles and the, and the Astros, and their two best relievers were unavailable because they pitched a bunch of games in a row, and obviously Felix Bautista is out. And I'm watching it, and the guys that came in were just not good. And I was thinking, like, if the Jays didn't have Romano, I don't know, call it Romano, Swanson, and Mesa, their top two righties and top lefty, because yeah. that's what it was for Baltimore. They'd still be able to roll out Jordan Hicks, Chad Green, Yumi Garcia, right? It's like three guys yeah. that are eighth inning reliever types. Yeah, I mean, if if you told and me Trevor Richards that, potentially, right? But if you told me the Blue Jays would have to have to build a bullpen with with Swanson, Hicks, and Garcia as their you know their their combination for this the eighth and ninth on on any given day, depending on matchups, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, like, exactly. Sure, <laughs> why not? What did we get for Romano? <laughs> this is like my question. Yeah, well, it's it. And you have Chad Green for those middle innings, and and you have Trevor Richards, you have Kansas Cabrera, like guys that are fine. They're not. They're they're more on the level of what the Orioles were throwing out. There were like you know like Randy Cabrera is more that right. Like you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but those guys at the back, those are the Jays, four, five, six relievers. So they're in a really good spot. 
Yeah. Um, we should talk about uh, Vlad because he was scratched, as I alluded to. He was scratched tonight with a a a, a balky knee. Like there was just a lot of emphasis on how it's not structural, but it's uh, I believe the barking at him phrase came up. I, I've never had my knee make any noises. It's usually bad. Um, it, it doesn't auger particularly well for the next week or two. No, no, it's it's not what you want to see for sure. I, he he looked really bad running to first on a few balls during the first game of the Yankees series, and then on the third one, he Volpe made an error, so Vlad reached and they immediately replaced him with a pinch runner. He was the DH, so it didn't matter. But it's 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 you know Vlad was starting to heat up, right? He hit home mm-hmm. runs in three straight games, the last one against Texas, and the he was the only offense for the first you know eighteen innings of the of the Red Sox series or, or seventeen innings of the Red Sox series. And, you know, so he was starting to hit for power. He, one of them was a 95 mile an hour fastball. He turned into hitting the second deck and left center. So you don't, it's really bad if he has to stay up for a long time. If it's just like soreness that he's been dealing with and the day off will help him reset, then that's manageable. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to say, but. Yeah. Just when it looks like Vlad is going to behave like Vlad. This is this is crappy. It's poopy. Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, so Eden is up. I Cam think Eden. you've y- y- Cam. Uh, you Cam. have been asking for a guy who can run since what April? Since <laughs> no, April? Since last year? <laughs> this has been my common request with the twenty sixth <laughs> man on the roster. Well, since they don't use him. Right, it's one thing if the Jays used their full roster regularly, but they don't. Ernie Clement was up, and he played only while Matt Chapman was out. Chapman came back. Ernie Clement only saw action as a pinch hitter against a lefty when other guys were in the game, and that's just not a common role. He's not that good. Not, he's not good enough a hitter, despite his performance, to be that. So yeah, get a guy who's fifty. Was it fifty-one of fifty-five in stolen bases in AAA this year? And yeah. who can run down anything in the outfield if you need to stick him out there? That's perfect for that spot. Yeah, because that's probably how they're going to use it. Is he's going to be an occasional pinch runner and defensive replacement? Thanks, because that's all that Ernie Clement was. Only you couldn't, or whoever was the twenty-six man on a given time. Only you were like, oh, he's not really that good of a choice for pinch runner. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Ernie Clement's not fast. The Jays can't bring up these middle infielders. Like they're back in middle infielders. Well, Biggio can run, but now he's in the lineup. Espinal's slow. <laughs> like Espinal's below average speed. Danny Jansen is faster than Santiago Espinal. And Clement isn't fast. So getting this guy on the bench could be really valuable, especially in these tight games that they're going to play through the rest of the season. And despite not being on the major league roster on September 1st, because he was in the organization, he is eligible to be on the postseason roster. I think he has to be. Yeah, if they make it, of course, obviously, right? There's a big qualifier there. If they get in, you got to have that guy there because that, you know, being able to steal a base in the eighth or ninth inning is so valuable, and the Jays just don't have anybody who can do that on the bench. Well, and especially this team that tends to win the games it wins by only a run or two, right? Put, pushing across another run because the guy was in scoring position, or because he scored from second on a single easily, as opposed to getting thrown out like Alejandro Kirk. Uh, well, we know how we know that shouldn't happen. Um, yeah. So he's the, he's he's the right man for the right time. 
we're so sorry, Mason McCoy, who has been designated for assignment. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that ugh, that one never made any sense to me, but here we are. It's okay. It's no longer a problem. <laughs> yeah. The other part uh, of the equation that remains in question is probably another one of the Jays from just a straight hitting standpoint. Definitely one of their top five hitters this year has been Brandon Bell. Despite uh, his rough April, the rest of the year, Bell has been you know, worthy of that fourth cleanup spot. And that's why Vigio's there is because Bell's back is not back. Bucky. Yeah. A <laughs> good one. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's unfortunate because <laughs> he's been their best hitter, really. I mean, he's been arguably better than Biggio, even. I'm sorry, Bichette. He's <laughs> definitely been better than Biggio. Um, but, uh, he, so he's doing a hitting progression. So it means that, like, at least they're, he's tracking towards coming back, and they're hoping he can be back enough to get into a rehab game before the minor league season ends, which is Sunday. So that must mean that they think he's going to be back pretty soon. So he probably won't be back for the first two series for this Yankee series or the Rays one. But if he can be back for the last seven games, six games, that could be very, very helpful. Yeah. And it, back injuries are tough, right? They're, they're not, uh, they're not always a straight line to recovery. Um, just as, you know, they get complicated. So hopefully it is just, strain and and the and the rest and and recuperation that he's been able to do is getting him into you know not into just sort of bandaged up <laughs> so he can prop himself up there to to push through the last seven games because you really do want a as healthy as you could possibly get brandon belt up there yeah and that's the thing like if you have a back spasm you know like it locks up on you the only thing that cures that is rust Yep. Right. Well, I'm there. I think that can help cure it. But if you're constantly trying to swing a bat, it's not. It's not going to heal. So I'm, just setting him down was probably the best thing they could have done. I mean, I'm no athlete, but I marvel at the fact that these guys can take a hundred swings and not be in agony. Because anytime I tried to do that, even in my youth, I was like, "Man, this is a violent activity. I sh- I should not do this over and over again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, so hopefully he's back soon. Yeah. So that about sums up the week. Um, is there anything that we forgot about you want to throw in there before we, we move over to our, our lovely listeners? Oh, yeah. I just want, you mentioned the pitching, and I just want to quickly shout out what Chris Bassett did as well. Um, you know, because he had gotten absolutely shelled <laughs> by the Rangers. And, you know, it, Bassett's stuff is such that if he can't, he and he mentioned this too. If he can't throw his off-speed pitches, his fastballs—he's got like three of them, right? Forcing two seam and a cutter, but they're not strong enough where he, he can lean on them without throwing his off-speed stuff for strikes. Like that slow curveball he throws, he needs to be able to command that, and he wasn't, and he got destroyed by the Rangers. And then he came out and threw seven strong innings against Boston. He gave up two runs. I think he gave up a two-run bomb to Devers because Devers just destroyed the Jays in that series. But otherwise, he was really, really good. And, you know, if they can get good Bassett down the stretch, it's going to be really interesting what they do should they make a postseason series. Because you can make a case for any of the five guys to be in the rotation. Yeah, and that might be the first time 
that I can I can think about that being a problem that they needed a good problem, but a problem that they needed to contemplate in terms of uh, yeah of uh, uh, starting rotation. But one must first reach the top of the mountain before one decides on on what skis one will travel down. That is a horrible metaphor. It's so bad. I'm going to leave that with everybody while we take a quick break <laughs> and come back with some questions and a gold star. And we have returned, as promised. Um, I will attempt not to create metaphors on the fly during the second half of the podcast, just for, <laughs> for everyone's comfort. Uh, instead, I will begin by uh, reading out some of the questions our fine listeners have sent us. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, the first question is from Steve Burney at Steve Burney. Uh, I don't believe we've had a recent question from Steve. Um, if this is your first time, hey, thanks for asking the question. Uh, Steve asks, uh, Vladdy jammed his knee at a game I was at in May. Is his disappointing season my fault? Now, I just got to say, I appreciate any fan who is willing to fall on that sword and take responsibility for Vlad's disappointing season. Because somebody needs to, Josh. Yes. It's the answer. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we will be sending the entirety <laughs> of Jay's fandom after you. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to figure out your address and dox you. Um, we're not going to do that. I mean, even though it is your fault, you're, you're free to just shoulder that responsibility on your own. More questions like that, please, by the way. Uh, Tortoise Farmer and Howie says, uh, both have their mind on the future. So, um, the the first question from Tortoise Farmer of three is who is getting fired this offseason? And the uh, matching question from Howie says is should John Snyder lose his job as Jay's manager? Who would you like to see as Jay's manager? Um, so we'll answer that one first and then we'll get to Tortoise Farmer's other two questions. John. Uh, <laughs> who would I like to see as manager if it's not? Well, first off, I don't. If they make the postseason, I don't think Snyder is going anywhere. Um, so. Who would I like to see as manager? That's so hard to answer because you never know really what guy's going to work with this specific team, right? Um, you know, we all thought Schneider would be a good fit because he came up with Vladbo and Biggio and, uh, you know, he, he seemed to have the, the ear of the clubhouse and the way he handled the Kikuchi mess, like, or, or the way he handled, like, Manoa's struggles versus how Montoya handled Kikuchi's struggles from last year, right? It was just polar opposites, right? Yeah. And, you know, and obviously, giving guys your I – mean, and Biggio struggles too. Apparently, they, he went up to Biggio at one point when he was just dogging it in April and said, we're never going to give up on you, right? That was in a story that uh, I think it was Caitlin McGrath wrote. If it wasn't her, I apologize. But, uh, you know, and that, I like that kind of leadership style. Is he a good tactical manager? Oh, no. No, he is not. Um, maybe get a better bench coach in who also – wasn't known for being a good tactical manager. <laughs> someone who can get advice from a little better in the spot. That's what I'd say. Not Don Mattingly. Someone who's a good tactician can be in that role. Yeah. And there is that argument to be made that the tactical aspect of <clears throat> managing for a lot of organizations is the least important part of the game. Even though it's the most visible to the fan, it's all of the things that happen in between games 
that uh, make sure that the team continues to stay gelled, you know, for, for 162 games and that everybody is putting in their effort. Now, I don't know how things turn out with Alec Manoa. I, I, that's not it's not on John Schneider, but obviously he didn't f- fix whatever issues there were, uh, you know, per- personality wise with Manoa. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but that's I mean that's not his job as the manager to fix a no. pitcher like that. that um, but I just meant like giving the guy the support and the belief, right? Like that's sort of the difference in, in the way they handled. It. Obviously, they sent him down, and and then they made all the issues we talked about last week, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. I, I think that he's fine for that role if they have someone to advise him on strategy better. Yeah. Um, I, I think my problem is I don't, like to suggest a name, I'll be honest, I don't look at people who are, you know, bench coach or who recently got fired from a job or, you know, an organization made a change and left two or three good people out, you know, in the, in the cold because they wanted their guy in there. I don't really pay attention to that. And those are the kinds of things I would need to pay attention to to give a good alternate name. Um, Fair enough. The manager. Question number two from Tortoise Farmer is, what team will Manoa be pitching for next April? Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I think there's probably 75% chance of that. Who do I think he'll be pitching for? I think he'll be pitching for a National League team. Um, you know what? The St. Louis Cardinals. I think, I think the Blue Jays are going to go back to the well. <laughs> it's their only trading partner. Yeah, it's, it's, only, it's a new rule. They just haven't told us that. It's um, like the rule that Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito have to go everywhere together. The Jays can only trade with the Cardinals. Yes. Yeah. What is it? Okay. Three times they've been traded with one another? Let's see. They went to Washington together, or from Washington to Chicago together, Chicago to Anaheim together, and then they were waved together separately to... Cleveland, yes. So three, three times. <laughs> yeah. Every time they get now, when they got on that last plane, I'm sure it was, "Hey, how you doing? I'm good." <laughs> they just assumed they had seats next to each other. Yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, it's been the same every time. Uh, and then, who? Here's a bold question: Who will be the Jays' playoff hero? Ooh, Brandon Belt, baby. Yeah, I like Brandon Bell. I'm going to go uh, Yusei Kikuchi. No, 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 no. Cam Eden. He's going to steal a huge bag and it's going to win them a game. Uh, the, uh, what is it? The, the, the Dave Roberts. The, oh, I, I was thinking Lorenzo Cain or, uh, no, who was the, no, who was the Royals Gerard pinch Dyson. Or no, no, Gerard, Terrence Gore. Terrence, Terrence Gore. Gore. Yeah. yeah. The Terrence Gore of, the, of, of 2023. Uh, <laughs> Well, thank you for your questions, uh, folks. Um, that uh, was fun. Uh, as always, we we no, put we actually we the... have we have one more. Mine oh, we one came more. in with one at the end there. Yeah. Oh, I I, um, I hit refresh. Yeah, what just as we recorded, this one came in from Minor Leaguer at Minor Leaguer. Now that Chad Green looks like he is mostly recovered from Tommy John, do you think the Blue Jays will pick up his team option at the end of the year? This was going to be my final thought, but we can just handle it here. <clears throat> do you have a thought? Or do you want me to take it? How much is the option? Oh, God. Do we have to go through the option system again? No, okay. no. Is, is it okay, a complicated no, no. rate riser sure option? Okay. No, oh, no. No, no, no. It's no. The Jays have a three-year, $27 million option. If they decline that, Chad Green has a one-year, $6.5 million option. If he declines that, Blue Jays have a two-year, $10.5 or, or $21 million option total. 
327. How old is Chad Green? <laughs> so, okay, my answer is, it's the same answer that I gave back when I first learned about this weird contract. To me, there is no world in which the Blue Jays should pick up the first option. I would much rather have Chad Green at one year, point six point five million than any of them. And the second thing I'd rather have is two years as opposed to three years of a middle, middle you know, he's going to be 34, 33, 34. Yeah. I, Why would I, I want three years of that guy? I agree wholeheartedly that they decline yeah. the first option and take a chance that he, he's going to take the $6.5 million. Which if he keeps pitching the way he's pitching through the end of the season, because he is back. 96 97 hammer curveball he's healthy um if he keeps doing that he probably goes back on the market because someone will pay him but then the jays just have their choice so i yeah i think they decline the first option for sure yeah. uh i agree i i concur wholeheartedly um so that concludes our, our questions uh which means that we have moved on to the category of a gold star we we admire effort um so this gold star here. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Uh, is, is brought to us by Caitlin McGrath. Um, I will read her uh, all of her tweets because it's it's a story for the ages. Blue Jays starter Yusei Kikuchi thinks he'll be fine for his next start after he left the game with cramps. The biggest revelation was that he said it may have been caused by only getting 11 hours of sleep last night instead of his usual... 13 or 14 hours. After my 4 a.m. wake up today, this is Caitlin, I might not even get 14 hours of sleep over the next two days. Yusei said he goes to bed around 11 p.m. usually and wakes up about 1 p.m. Anyway, this means I'll have a full 3,000 word feature on Kikuchi's sleep schedule at some point. She, also, <laughs> she, she gets a silver star just, just for contemplating an entire article essay uh, about his, his sleep schedule. You know what? I think, I think more people should embrace the Yusei Kikuchi winning at life sleep schedule. <laughs> Is he part cat? Hey, well, Toddler. he's doing it all at once. <laughs> yes, it's true. Toddler then? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He just, gets um, up, just gets up for a, a drink. A little see, snacky. This said, so this was said through his translator, Yusuke Oshima. Um, I think it was probably a joke, <laughs> but the translator just said it. <laughs> but if it's not, a boy. Yeah. Just, just, get your, just get your rest. What else are we going to be waiting for? So, um, although he did not use a translator, um, this does remind me of uh, the time that uh, Munenori Kawasaki had a cramp. And his, his deadpan answer for not getting any more was to eat bananas. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Yes. Oh, it's still available on YouTube if you look. Uh, and, and of course, I think it was a rash Madani, and he goes, why, why bananas? And he looks just right into the camera and goes, because a monkey never cramps. <laughs> Someone tweeted that at me. Or did you send that to me? Someone said that to me, and I was, didn't know what they meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Munenori Kawasaki and, uh, and Yusei Kikuchi both have different but equally valid methods of handling a cramp that are not found in any medical textbook anywhere. <laughs> I mean, is there any reason that Yusei Kikuchi doesn't get 13 hours, at least before a start? How does you someone know? sleep that long? <laughs> well, I mean, my wife sleeps that long, but she has a neurological condition, so I'm not sure that she's good. I did tell her today 
that she has the same sleep schedule as a major league starting pitcher, and she felt pretty good about that. I actually sent something similar to my wife because she sleeps for very long. (laughs) Not not quite that long, but (laughs) yeah. I mean, that's even if it's a joke, I I think it's making people feel good about themselves. And that's that's the important part. So a gold star to uh, Yusei Kikuchi or his translator for passing it on without cracking a smile. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So um that brings us to the part of the podcast where i ask you if you have a a final thought other than the one that was spoiled by a very good question from one of our listeners oh yeah so now i gotta think of another one on the fly huh uh yeah okay um so it it was i was very happy to see that boston series ryu was pitching against boston and you know he was pitching well enough he hadn't given up a run but he'd been getting in and out of trouble. And they went to the bullpen and brought in Yumi Garcia in the fifth inning. I think it was Garcia they brought in. One of their leverage relievers, right? Like, don't like, they're like, okay, we're going to go to, you know, here comes Nate Pearson. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Nate Pearson would be different, but like, here comes, oh, why do I always forget his name? <laughs> 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 the reliever, the long reliever who they just sent down. Thomas Hatt. Bowden no. Francis. Yeah, Bowden there Francis, it is. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, like they brought in a leverage one-inning guy to just get out of the inning and then go to whatever you need to after that. So that was cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, mad respect. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, what does it, I'm just curious, what does it take for Blue Jays Stadium Ops to hear the moans of protest from people because oh apparently my God. <laughs> it's still going. Like it's been an article in blog TO. Uh, it's been all over Twitter. How many How... times have I talked about it on this podcast? Yeah, I mean our audience might be slightly smaller than blog TO. Um Yeah. But I just wanted to say like this is not this is a long standing <laughs> issue. <laughs> Where every pitch is is uh you know sanitized uh, and artificially inflated for your your protection by uh, oh. by stadium noises of which there are four opposing no. broadcasters oh, no, have no, mentioned but it. But now there's more. Now there's like just like Raptors walking up the court music they play after a foul ball between pigeons. It's like guys, stop! Just, just wow. stop! Just play nothing for a little bit. Just let let the game be the game. There's only <laughs> 15 seconds between pitches. We don't need music every time. <laughs> See, you turn me into a rant. <laughs> but I think it is a valid question. What does it take exactly um, to get through to someone in whatever marketing or production or, or whatever else is at the stadium to be like, hey, maybe maybe try something different and see if if the uh, the rabble quiets down. We may never know. Um, you never know. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully we'll know. So, uh, I have been your host, uh, Greg Wisniewski, and also I should mention that you have been uh, Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. Uh, and this has been episode number 282 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we will talk at you as the season is nearing its close next week. Next week.